We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Pilato. And Today we have a special guest joining the show. It's Jeff Cavanaugh. Play the music. Oh, yep. Cavanaugh! It's awesome. I love it. And we're going to be talking Giants, Cowboys. He's a film guy, too. He loves the same kind of X's and O's stuff that we do on this podcast. And I promise you, like the Giants reporter who asked Kayvon Thibodeau last night um, how he's going to compare his career to to Mika Parsons and he's going to be me- how, how it feels to be measured against him for the next few years. We won't be asking any of those questions because we don't care about that type of stupid stuff. So, Jeff, how are you doing today? And thanks for joining us on the show. I'm great. Micah is very good. Micah <laughs> yes. Parsons is very good at football. <laughs> Micah Parsons is the reason the Cowboys got to win a football game. Yay, Micah. We love Micah. <laughs> Call my co-host out for referring to him as Mika, like he's Mika Zibanejad in the New York Rangers. <laughs> I, I do have issues with pronunciations of names. It's a long-standing bit on this show, but it's not really a bit because it's true, and it's just natural for me. But I and words, plus yeah. words are weird. Like, yeah. I pronounce the P in pterodactyl, and there's no reason <laughs> to, but and you're not supposed to, but they put the letter there, so I say it. When do you find yourself using the word pterodactyl? Uh, just when I'm pointing out how I like to say pterodactyl. <laughs> I like it. I like it, Jeff. Well, thank you for joining us today. We want to talk a little scheme. We want to talk a little X's and O's as well. So I want to start with something I've noticed about the Dan Quinn defense over his couple years now with the Cowboys year and year and a few, year and change, I should say. Runs a lot of cover one. Um, my question for you on the back end, do you feel like this matchup, so the Giants haven't really faced a defense yet that's run a lot of cover one, haven't really faced a defense that's run a lot of man coverage yet in their first two games, and in the past, Daniel Jones, who struggled overall, has done a little bit better against man coverage than zone coverage. From what you've seen in the first two games, is the defense that he's running this year pretty similar to what he's run in past years, or has he kind of differentiated it based on the matchups in the first two weeks, and how do you think it'll, he'll approach Daniel Jones this week? Oh, I think it's I think it's fairly similar, and yeah. they've got um, it's weird because you're playing against Daniel Jones, and like my thing about the Giants is they're two and zero, and I'm like, man, this is a winnable game for the Cowboys with a backup quarterback, even though they're two and zero. I'm like, but I'm just I'm looking at the entire Giants offense, and I'm like, well, the left tackle looks like he's playing well, the rest of them not so much. <laughs> yeah. The most explosive playmaker on the team, they don't get the ball to. Uh, and if they do, he immediately leaves the field. Uh, but yeah, Dan Quinn's defense. Like, uh, I think J. Ron Kirsch being hurt is tough, but yeah, they, they like to use 
play big nickel and have three safeties on the field, which they can't really do without J. Ron Curse. But yeah, you'll see Donovan Wilson as a down safety a lot, Malik Hooker uh, as a deep guy. And they'll interchange a little bit, but yeah, they still like they like to play man. They like to run cover one, and uh, and that's kind of what you get from them. And can you block Micah Parsons? Is the name of the game. Jeff, can you speak to how Dan Quinn has seemingly maximized the skill set of Micah Parsons, who individually is just an excellent player? And how can the Giants stop this guy? I think part of it is he got lucky. Honestly, like Dan Quinn's a really good coach, but at the very beginning of last year, it was Tank Lawrence was banged up and it was like, well, what are we going to do about this? And his answer was, we're going to have Micah Parsons line up down there and rush the passer. And then if you found out, holy crap, um, this middle linebacker is the best pass rusher in the NFL. <laughs> and then just because of how valuable that skill set is, uh, I think that there's no way you don't take advantage of it. So like last week, I think he only played three snaps at linebacker wow. and it was 50 something on the edge. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I don't know. Like I like Dan Quinn as a coach and so many players that you talk to have so much respect for him and he's leader. He connects with his guys. He's a good defensive coach, all those different things. But sometimes I do think it's just like, well, that dude it was born that way. And Micah was born that way. He just, He's built like and moves like Von Miller. And congrats, coach. You get to have him. <laughs> I want to flip to the other side of the ball and talk a little bit with you about Cooper Rush. I haven't had a chance to this week. It's been a busy week. Watch the film on that game, which I wanted to get to. But I want to know why, you know, is Cooper Rush finding success so far? Do you feel like you've, you've, you've seen things you like from him on film? Because this, to me, is a game that's going to be won in kind of the grindy 1916 fashion like it was last week for the Giants, if they can win the game. Yeah, I mean, I think Cooper Rush is a run-of-the-mill backup quarterback and maybe worse than a lot of teams' backup quarterbacks, but um, he has to get credit. Last last year against Minnesota, they won, and he got the ball to his outside guys a ton in that game. And this year, in his first go at it, he did enough. It was basically the first two drives of the game and then one drive at the very end of the game, but he made a couple of plays that he had to make. Um, I don't think that there's anything particularly that – stands out where you're like, man, he really is a quick diagnoser or he throws an incredibly accurate ball. Like there's nothing jumps out about Cooper rush. He's a guy that's been here that knows the system. They tried to protect him with multiple tight ends for a lot of the night, but part of that's because their wide receivers suck. So there's nobody that you really had to make sure was on the field. And Tony Pollard made a really big play. So I think in a game where the other team is going to score somewhere around 20, you got a chance. If you get into another into a game where the other team is going to score around thirty, I think you're in you're in trouble. One on that real quick, I think just from evaluating the Giants in the last game, one thing that Wink Martindale, the defense coordinator, wants to do, and I think he'll continue to want to do, is force the quarterback in this matchup. At least he'll continue to want to do force him off platform. Have you noticed on film any examples of Cooper Rush struggling when he's throwing off platform or creating anything off platform? Is he more of a pocket guy? He's definitely more of a pocket guy. And I think Cincinnati did what a lot of teams will do with a backup quarterback where they give you, and it's, and it's weird. Cause I'm not sure if it's the right idea or the exact wrong idea, because if I'm a backup quarterback and you say, okay, I'm going to kind of stack up the line a little bit and try to take away your run and make you beat me because I don't believe you can. Well, now you're actually giving me a chance to beat you because any quarterback can drop back and read man coverage and, and try to deliver a ball um, I forgot the question, but that's ADHD's fault. 
the touchdown that he threw, so it wasn't that play action rollout, and he hit. I think it was CD Lamb in the back of the end zone. Well, he was rolling right and hit Noah Brown last week. Yeah, Noah he was, Brown, he was okay. right, and he and he hit Noah Brown with that one. So like he's, it's not that he's not capable. He's just not like a great athlete. He doesn't have a huge arm. He, he would rather catch the ball and throw the ball. Brought up Jeff how they use multiple tight end packages. Losing Dalton Schultz might really affect that. And we're going to see Dan's boy Jake Ferguson probably have an expanded role. How do you think the personnel packages will be? And I ask this particularly because Wink Martindale used a lot of three, even four safety looks sometimes. And I'm wondering if you guys don't roll out 12 personnel, Giants will match speed with speed again. And it was something that they had success with. It'll depend on who's playing because as of today, it sounds like Michael Gallup's going to play and you'll have him back. I don't know for how many snaps, but Michael Gallup seems like he's going to play. And Dalton Schultz, they're not writing off. Like, they're going to give him up through the weekend and see where he's at and if they think that he can go. But if not, yeah, you'll get a lot of Jake Ferguson. And honestly, I still don't think they'll be afraid to go to 12 personnel because they really like Peyton Hendershot, who was an undrafted free agent. But in camp, like, he went out there and made the team. Like, he went out there and took a job. Um and so I don't know how effective if you have two rookies out there at tight end that you're going to be as blockers, but they're both fairly capable um, as receivers. And the offensive line has done a really nice job run blocking the last couple of weeks. So it, it just really depends on, I think, who's available. If if you have Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, and Noah Brown available and no Dalton Schultz, then probably you get more 11. And if you have Dalton Schultz and Jake Ferguson, but Gallup doesn't play very many plays, then you'll probably get a lot of 12 personnel. And I think they'll just cater it to who they have. I got a couple offensive line questions for you, Jeff. I want to start with the bigger one that people are probably going to be a little bit more tuned in on. And that's the left tackle situation with Tyron Smith down. So Tyler Smith kicks over there. I always, I, I mean, I'm, I figured he was going to have a little bit of a learning curve, but from what I'm reading from people who evaluate the film, they, they really like what they saw from him specifically last week. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on Tyler Smith so far at the left tackle position? I didn't like the pick when they picked him because I thought that he was going to have a big learning curve, uh, especially playing him at tackle. Cause the plan was to play him at left guard and then Tyron got hurt. And by that time they had gone all the way through training camp. He didn't take a single snap at tackle. And it was like, all right, Go get him. Uh, and through two weeks, I'll be damned. He's doing it. Uh, he's not perfect. And you can see the technique stuff that's not great. Like, it's not very often that Tyler Smith and pass protection wins with his hands. But even with really good, really strong NFL players, getting him in disadvantageous situations. Like, he's off balance, and they've got their hands in his chest, but he's just so athletic and strong that he can still kind of anchor and still kind of get it done. So it, it really is kind of off of the raw tools, that, but he's surviving out there, and probably more than surviving. I hope when Jason Peters is ready, they'll move him to guard, just because right now their left guard is awful. Um, but I don't know if they will just because the Cowboys think that's their long-term left tackle. And if you think that, and he's already doing it well, I could right. totally see them saying, well, we're not going to move him. With a backup quarterback coming into town here in New York, do you think the Cowboys will stick to this rushing attack with Ezekiel Elliott, Mixon, Tony Pollard, possibly two running back sets, especially if Dalton Schultz isn't there? Because New York Giants might not be without Kayvon, Aziz Ojolari, and then Leonard Williams was also injured in week two. And I'm expecting the Cowboys to probably attempt to exploit that. 
Oh, yeah, the Cowboys would love to run the ball. The Cowboys would love to hand the ball off every single play and not have Cooper Rush even have to play in the football game. It's just a matter of how effectively are you going to do it. But, I mean, I think that it was encouraging that last week, the first drive of the game where they end up scoring a touchdown, they get fourth and two in their own end, and they're like, hey, you know how you make a rookie – or not a rookie, I'm sorry, your backup quarterback feel good? I'm going to tell you right now how confident I am. We're going for it on fourth and two, and we're going to call a passing play. And so, like, Cooper Rush has done some things to to earn some trust, but – I'm still they don't want him to have to play much they want him to have to complete a pass if we get to third and it's too long to call a run play and outside of that they would love to give it to Zeke and Pollard and Cavante Turpin on an end around and you know play the game conservatively that would absolutely be their preference it's so funny you say that, Jeff, because I feel like from watching the Giants now for two straight weeks on film, I feel like the Giants would like to run the ball every single play with how little they've asked Daniel Jones to do. And, and you know, they've just really scaled back this passing game in the first two weeks. But we'll see what happens in this game. I really feel like it's going to be a super run heavy game on both sides, which maybe not might uh, may not be the most fun for fans, but we'll see what happens there. I have a question on Zeke, though, because we heard a lot in the offseason that, you know, he played through this PCL issue last year, but he was looking really good this August. You know, fresh Zeke, the same old Zeke that we remember. Has he looked to you at like the old Zeke or where are you at with Zeke right now? I think he looks good, but good is also a relative term. Like when he came out of Ohio State, that dude would get 10 and 20 yard runs yeah. every single week. And this version of Zeke doesn't. Mm. He's still a good running back. He's decisive. He's quick enough. He's powerful. Like he's a good NFL running back. Uh, Tony Pollard's better. Wow. The Cowboys won't ever say it out loud and they'll never give him more carries because your $15 million, <laughs> one of your face of the franchise guys for the Jones boys has to get the ball. Go Zeke. We love him. He's the engine. Uh, but you know, we, we saw which player was the one that made the game breaking play last week. So right. Zeke's a good player and I'm considered a Zeke hater because I recognize that Pollard's a better player and you know, that's not my fault. So whatever. No, it's not. Welcome to the world of commentating on sports among diehard fans. We get the same thing with Barkley and Jones, so it's all good on that front. One more quick thing on the offensive line. I want to turn back over to Nick, but I have a question about Tyler Biotish because two years ago, me and Nick were singing his praises in draft season, me especially as a Wisconsin Badger native. We just felt like it was a clear-cut, easy value pick. He had played through the injured season the year before he got drafted. If you looked at the season before that, he was a clear-cut good center. It seems to me on the surface level, at least, like he's really just hit the ground running with the Cowboys. Is this a, is this is this correct? Has he been just an excellent value find for them? No, I would say that okay. coming into the season, the Cowboys were not opposed to trying to replace him. Okay. Like they, they, they were really looking to see if they could find competition for the center spot, but the way they ended up doing it was a couple of undrafted free agents that never really materialized. I would say that Tyler Biotish has been okay. And through two games this year, I think he's been okay. Uh, like he's a dude that is going to hold on to that job until they have to invest another pick or he plays really poorly and they feel like they have to replacement free agency. Although I guess to your point, he was, what was he? He was a four. Yeah, it was. And if, you're, if, if you end up being a four year starter, um, that's a, that is a good value pick, but in a world where we got used to for a while around here, having, yeah. Pro Bowl center, Pro Bowl left guard, Pro Bowl left tackle, Pro Bowl right guard, sometimes a Pro Bowl right tackle. <laughs> then you get these guys who are like league average or maybe a little bit under league average. And it's like, that dude sucks. Welcome to our world, baby. I was going to say, that's so spoiled of you, Jeff. Yeah, so yeah. Spoiled. That's unbelievable. Pro, bowlers. pro bowlers everywhere. 
<laughs> I have to ask you, Jeff, uh, what the hell is going on with Jalen Tolbert? This is a day two pick who can't even be active on game day. Honestly, they felt like, and I don't, they, they felt like undrafted free agent Dennis Houston outperformed him in training camp. And they felt like Simi Fihoko outperformed him in training camp. And yeah, I like anybody who thought that that was not something to be disappointed in early in the season, because some people are like, well, what are you talking about? The best players are playing. That's a great thing. And I'm like, yeah, in a vacuum, that's great. But on a team that lost Cedric Wilson in free agency and Amari Cooper on purpose uh, and the way you attempted to replace all of that was with a third round pick. The fact that he can't even suit up, that's a problem. And he did have a hamstring thing at some point uh, in camp, but he'll be active this week. They decided once, maybe it was once Gallup was about ready or once they realized that their undrafted free agent that they loved wasn't really an NFL player. Uh, Mm -hmm. So they released Dennis Houston this week. And so now Jalen told her to get his chance to go, but I'm with you. Like I liked his college tape. I thought that he would hit the ground running and have a ton of opportunities because the Cowboys wide receiver depth chart was not very good, or you could call it worse than that awful. Um, And so maybe he will this week, but I don't like being wrong. So I need Jalen Tolbert to (laughs) go catch some passes. Jeff, I want to transition a little bit back to the defense. I know we're jumping around here. What are your thoughts on the secondary? How just how good is Diggs overall? Because we saw his ceiling last year, but I feel like that might be his ceiling. What are what are your opinions of Diggs and the rest of the secondary? Oh, I think Diggs is the uh, perfect player for sports talk because everybody has like chosen a side, and it's like I don't need to. Trayvon Diggs is a good young especially when it comes to how many years you've played the position since at Alabama, originally he was a receiver. Like he's still a young developing cornerback, but he's just so freaking aggressive and his ball skills are so good that last week, Jamar Chase didn't hurt you. Trayvon Diggs like, no, I'm good. Um, But yeah, he'll have moments where he just, he loves to make a play on the football. And so it will make him susceptible to give up some because he wants to get underneath the receiver when you start to break. He's not playing over top and trying to bat it down. He's trying to come underneath and pick it off. Uh, I think he's one of the 15 to 20 best corners in football, and he has the potential to continue getting more and more consistent, and the interceptions will continue if people throw at him, because unlike most DBs, he will catch every single one of them. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you about Anthony Barr. He was an interesting signing to me in the offseason by the Cowboys. How's he moved? How's his fit been within the defensive system? And is he somebody who could potentially impact this game on Monday night? So Anthony Barr, the best thing that Anthony Barr did was be capable of starting an NFL game. Like that's <laughs> honestly, that's that's all you wanted is that is what made it so that Micah Parsons can do what he's doing. Right. Because, you know, in today's NFL, you play two linebackers. And so if they didn't have Anthony Barr, I actually do like Jabril Cox. I'm not sure what is their holdup on him. He was great in camp. He was great in the preseason. But they go and sign Anthony Barr. And I think it's just great that they added a guy that you can trust down in and down out to do his job. And again, I think he's been fine. Nothing outstanding, nothing terrible. He's been fine. But being fine means that Micah Parsons can go line up across from the left tackle or the right tackle and make life hell on quarterbacks. So Anthony Barr, the best thing you did was exist. 
I love it. All right, let's let's wrap this up. We want to be cognizant of your time on the show, Jeff. I want you to give us one a prediction, a score prediction on the game because we like doing that. Even if you don't enjoy these types of things, we're going to make you do it because that's okay. what we like. Look, he looks like he doesn't want to do this at all. Look at Jeff's face. You can't see the face right now, but he is not interested in this, but we're going to make him do it anyway. And then tell everybody where they can find your work, where they can follow you on social media, everything like that. My work is on YouTube. My name, Jeff Cavanaugh, C-A-V-A-N-A-U-G-H. For 11 and a half years, I did a sports talk show on the flagship of the Cowboys. And if I ever do radio again, I'll let you know where it is. But now it's YouTube, just Jeff Cavanaugh uh, at time for Jeffrey on Instagram and Twitter. And don't worry about anything else. Um, so last week I picked the Bengals to win by two scores over the Cowboys. I don't think the Giants are any good, but it's still a backup quarterback. It's still a iffy wide receiver core. 2019 Giants. Oh, Giants. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jeff. We had a great time talking ball with you. 28-3 Cowboys, just in case anybody didn't hear it the first time. All right. So now it doesn't matter. We'll we'll, we'll edit it out after the fact and and get the right one in there. But thanks again. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you guys. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. Actually, mountain spring water from the Alps. And it's called Liquid Death. You may see your coworkers cracking these open at the 9 a.m. stand-up meeting, but again, not beer. They're just parched, dehydrated, or just downright thirsty, and they're drinking the new Mountain Spring water brand called Liquid Death. Go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundy's, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. Just use the promo code BIGBLUE. So go to liquiddeath.com slash big blue if you want to try this tasty new liquid death. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then oddstrader.com is the place for you. OddsTrader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. OddsTrader offers handicapping, play-by-play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day, weather, and 
Bet Tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity. So if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience, go to oddstrader.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's oddstrader.com slash BLUEWIRE. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, that was an awesome interview with Jeff Cavanaugh. I love his little sound bite he created for himself. The Cavanaugh to the Panama. I need to come up with one of those. Schneier's not great, but there should be something we can work off of with Filato. I don't know. We'll, Filato, we'll, gelato. I've heard it. I've heard it all already. Palacio, yeah, no. all all the Palacio freaking thing, little. Yeah, yeah. I don't that, have my any entire life. Like I got nothing. I was I was nicknamed in in uh, you know growing up in my friend group was Schnei guy. Like like the uh, you know the the um like. Nintendo character, shy guy, shy guy. So I don't know. It's I don't know who that. I don't know who that character is. That yes, you're you do. To. You're, oh, actually, he wasn't in Super Smash, so you wouldn't know. Me and Nick have had competitive battles of Super Smash. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. and admittedly, at the end, he did get better than me, and I got very annoyed with that. But also, <laughs> to be fair, he would always make you come to attack him. He played an annoyingly patient game. He would never go for the attack, and then he would just sit there for six seconds in a row if you wouldn't go and attack him. And obviously the person who's getting attacked has a clear advantage. So I want to put that out there and make sure that's clear. The FIFA record was another thing. I think I had the edge there. He probably thinks he has the edge there. We have we have a poor, we, have a, we do a poor job accounting for statistics in this uh, friendship battle uh, competitive thing. Between I was like a six, like as a Super Smash player, I was a successful Joe Judge. I was conservative, right? I would like <laughs> lean back. I'd let you come to me. Only I was good at defending myself, and it worked. It really did work. <laughs> he was he by the end of it, he was crushing me in that game. Again, FIFA though, the statistics are probably in my favor. Again, probably, Nick probably thinks otherwise. Oh wow, I, yeah. I, I'm so stunned that you admit that. No, you know which one we'd have a real argument on? Who won more games in in Catan? That I know we probably oh, Catan is so luck. It's it such a luck lucky based. game. Luck based, yeah. Really. Especially once everyone knows the strategy. Once the game is solved and figured out, and you get to that point with it, and people are stopped making mistakes, it becomes kind of a meh game. But anyway, let's talk Cowboys Giants here. We don't need to talk about games. Okay, so great interview with Jeff. It was fun. Nick, I want to talk to you a little bit more about this matchup and what you're looking forward to going into tonight, and we can or going into Monday night, I should say, and we can bounce ideas off of that. Yeah, what I'm looking forward to is Wink Martindale confusing the hell out of Cooper Rush. And I don't think Cooper Rush is, is necessarily a terrible backup quarterback, kind of like Jeff alluded to. He's a backup quarterback, but if you watch, and I've got my eyes on some of the film from the Minnesota game that he won on Halloween night last year and the game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And this guy, man, if you play off, he will operate quick game and Kellen Moore will set him up for success. If you're an off coverage on this guy, he's going to take those quick hitters. He is going to take what the defense gives you. and to my surprise, and he doesn't have the best ball. He's a, he's a backup quarterback. If you're one-on-one -on, -one on the outside, and I expect Fabian Moreau or Cordell Flott, whoever's playing a lot of snaps opposite of Adore Jackson to be one-on-one -on -one quite often, he's going to take a shot against you. Like He'll throw it deep. He's not scared to attack you. Now, I think that could benefit the New York Giants if he gets caught, and then if, if Xavier McKinney or Dane Belton, whoever's playing center field, can get over there because, again, he doesn't have the best arm. But this isn't a guy who's going to just nickel and dime you. He will try to throw it deep on you. And that was something that surprised me. And I think it could keep the Giants defense a little honest. But if you can stop the run and get them in third and manageable third and long type of situations, good luck trying to figure out what the heck the Giants are doing from a blitzing standpoint, from a pressure standpoint. I think that's an area where the Giants can win. Yeah, I think you know that that's the key to it for me. It's like, yeah, can Cooper Rush process this fast enough? 
We didn't, you know, we saw Baker Mayfield struggle to pro- struggle to process it. Even at times, like if Baker had even processed it fast, there was really nothing there. Just kudos to Wink and, and what he did to take away what he predicted to be and was correct on the first read for the quarterback. Now, as far as Cooper Rush goes, what will interest me the most in watching him play is, is it going to be a game like we saw you know, a couple years ago during the Joe Judge era when the Giants faced the Bengals and Brandon Allen was the quarterback in that game. I think it was post-Burrow injured. Was Burrow even drafted? I don't even know what that. I think he was. Yeah, yeah. Burrow was hurt. He was injured. He was injured. Um, And so, like you said, it's not going to be like that. This guy will take chances down the field. So does that, like you say, give them opportunities, not just for the interceptions on the back end? What I'm more curious is, does it give opportunities for, if he's going to play, Kayvon Thibodeau a little bit more time to get around that edge and potentially a four-sack fumble? And that will be important. I loved hearing what Jeff said about the coaching hubris going on. And it's not even the coach of hubris, the owner hubris. I don't know what to even refer to it as, but the Cowboys are going to continue to play Ezekiel Elliott a lot more than Tony Pollard. And that's a really good thing for the Giants because I agree with him. Pollard gives the Giants a lot more problems in this game from a schematic standpoint and from just overall, he's a more explosive, better runner at this point than Zeke, in addition to being a better receiver than Zeke. And that's also been an issue. At least it wasn't week one for the Giants in their defense. So I think that helps the Giants for sure. Michael Gallup might play. I don't think he's going to play. I think they're going to sit one more out. I think that helps the Giants as well. I look at this receiver core, man. And I'm just waiting for the team to have receivers that can burn the Giants. And I mean, multiple ones. And this just doesn't seem like it's going to be the team that's going to do it. So I really feel, Nick, like the Giants are going to have a massive edge on the defense side of the ball, especially when you factor in the crowd. And, you know, Matt Rule said it last week. When is the last time we heard a coach from an opposing team say, wow, that MetLife crowd was an issue for us? I can't even remember, dude. It's probably 2016, though, to be honest, because in 2016, the Giants were a very similar team to what they've been the first two weeks of this season, a team that basically just wins with the with the defense and then an occasional Odell Beckham slam, right? It's like basically what the entire offense was. Slants and flats, and, and with Odell Beckham, sometimes that'll work. There was no run game. There was no over-the-top passing game. So, I think the crowd noise will be a factor here on third downs. I'm going to be there, by the way, so you could better believe I'll be part of that factor. I am an absolute savage in the stands. I have to tone it back, though. I will say this. My brother, Matt, has put a – I'm going with my brother, Matty. He put a ultimatum on me because there were some bad moments in my past going to games with him where it would be just us two up there, and I would freak out. Here's the things that get me when I'm in the stands. Okay, Nick, I want to break this down with you. If the Giants are playing horrible football, I don't yell, I don't scream, I don't go crazy, or at least this is back in my day. I think I'm a more mature person now. We'll find out on Monday night, and I've been given a a threat by my brother, which I'll get to in a second. But back in the day, Nick, young Dan Schneier, I wouldn't go crazy if the Giants were playing bad. Here are the things that would piss me off the most. A bad call by a referee. I am prone to lose my absolute mind if I get a bad call by a referee, especially if it's an impact play. If it's a, if it's something that really screws the Giants, I just can't stand that. I can't handle it. Injuries are also a big one for me. I lose my mind on injuries. I just can't handle injuries. But hopefully I've improved. My brother said he will kick me out if I act like an idiot. But I, that doesn't mean I can't get loud on third downs, and I will be. So I think the crowd noise will be a factor in this game, Nick, and I'm hoping it will be. But I just... With all that in mind, I think the Giants have a clear edge on defense. One thing I think is interesting, and I was just kind of rattling this back and forth in my brain, and we touched on it with Jeff, is the the loss of Dalton Schultz and Leonard Williams and how that impacts the respective side of the football. Because Kellen Moore likes to roll out that 12 personnel. You remove Dalton Schultz and you force a rookie who we like, but a rookie into that role, two rookies, if Pendershot is the other one, and now you have Jihad Ward in the rushing attack whenever they want to run duo blocking against those guys. Jahad Ward is going to destroy Jake Ferguson. And Jake Ferguson, I like him. I think he's a good blocker, but Jahad Ward is a tough ask. Yeah. But the loss of Leonard Williams, 
if Kayvon Thibodeau or Zizo Jolario back here, do the Giants take Jahad Ward and his 290-pound frame and kick him inside a little bit more and remove him from the edge to account for the loss of a Leonard Williams? Or will someone like Nick Williams or just Jelly, Justin Ellis, just get more snaps? I'm wondering yeah. from a personnel standpoint how the Giants are going to account for that loss. That is a loss. What about our boy DJ? Or DJ. I mean, I think he's played like 14 snaps so far this season. And I like DJ Davidson, but he was, I think, the the place I gap defender who got uprooted on that Christian McCaffrey run. Yeah. I still think he's going to see, you know, maybe a couple handful of snaps here. And without Lenny, it could expand a little bit. But I'm curious if the Giants would remove Jihad Ward on early downs and put him inside or what they're going to do with Kayvon. Is Kayvon Thibodeau going to be an every down player in his first NFL game coming off of an MCL injury? I'm not hundred percent certain about that. You might want to use him on passing downs to kind of ease him in, but he's such a talent that you want to leverage that as well. So I think that's an interesting little nugget or interesting little uh, aspect of this game that we're not hundred percent sure on. And like we said with Jeff, if they use more 11 personnel, would that mean the giants will roll with, you know, 12 total snaps for Micah McFadden and and Austin Calitro. So I think if they use more 11 personnel, that can benefit the Giants because I think their best people, if you want to get your best players on the football field, that would mean less linebackers, right? Because those linebackers are not as talented or as experienced as even Tony Jefferson, who's your fourth freaking safety right now. Dane Belton, not experienced, could be a really good football player though. So I think more 11 personnel right. works in the favor of the Giants. It's a great call. We want to see more. I think in general, dude, as we move forward through this season, when teams are using more 11 personnel versus the Giants, that's just a good thing overall. Look, we don't have linebackers on this team. It's the fact that it's just as simple. We have Austin Kaletra, Micah McFadden. And is it Micah or Mika? I don't know. I'm calling him Micah. And, and well, this is a nod back to your Micah Parsons thing. And by the way, let me just say this. You referred to Dalton Schultz in a really weird way. You call him Dalton Schultz. Yeah, you're like Dalton, Dalton Schultz. Yeah, Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz. That time you did the A, the other time you did a like West Coastian, like Dalton Schultz. I've always Dalton. said Dalton. Dalton. Yeah, you just did it again. No, no, no. You just, no. Dalton. Yeah. Dalton. Dalton. Yeah. They're, they're, Dalton. Give it an East Coast, Northeast Coast A at all times. All right. We don't need to get into the apples of the world. It's apple. Okay. Anyway. Ew. I know. That's, what is that? That's how, that's listen, when I, when I went to school out in the Midwest, we would just hear, turn on your Apple computers. Ample. Oh, no, yeah. no. I would never anyway, live there. No, it's, it's only a good place to live during the summer. The people are really nice, but the weather is devastatingly bad. Um, yeah. Anyway, back to this. I will say this. What I'm interested to see most in this game, Nick, is will the Giants get out of their shell on the offensive side of the ball, right? We talked about this a little bit with Jeff. The Giants have been very similar to the Cowboys in the first two weeks. They've done almost everything in their power to take the ball out of Daniel Jones's hands. They haven't asked him to do almost anything from a – processing standpoint from a deep deep intermediate standpoint um with the exception of the one drive where they got going last week where they did put the ball in his hand for a lot of attempt passing attempts and they gave him a little tempo but is there a way are there ways in your mind right now nick given their situation at offensive line given their situation with daniel jones and as far as he is from a processing standpoint in this offense and then obviously the receivers not only the talent level that's on the field but how far they are along with their processing because we heard this week on the bob papa Carl Banks podcast, you know, Carl Banks said he spoke with Joe, um, so I'll call him Joe judge, but Brian Dable this week. And Dave's like, yes, receivers are still kind of running the wrong routes. And even Sterling Shepard said that in the post post game presser after last week. So is this the week we start to see things open up or is this, is this, and, and is there anything that really Kafka can do? 
That's the question. And I think it all comes down to Kadarius Tony. If you look at the New York Giants right now, their wide receiving core is currently constructed. You have your $72 million guy disgruntled playing two snaps. Wando Robinson is out. You're, you're rolling out David Sills and Richie James, yeah. and I like Richie James, but you're rolling out those guys on primetime television when you have a player like Kadarius Tony. I would have to imagine the Giants have, like, Dave, Dave will said in the past, right? We have packages for our wide receivers. Well, those packages need to expand for Kadarius Tony, but like we brought up on this podcast, dude, I don't know how much, yeah, what, what the grasp Kadarius Tony has on this playbook. And, I, and I'm not trying to take shots at the guy or anything like that, but the, the play that Banks and Papa were referencing was the David Sills OPI play. That was the play they were referencing. Who was the wide receiver running that route? It was Kadarius Tony. So like we saw in week one, every route he ran was just a simple drag or the slide off the play action. And then those two trick plays, we had a little bit more of an expanded role in week two. I'm hoping in week three, they can really get him up to speed and get him where he needs to be because he can be the difference maker in this game. You know, Dallas is going to try to stop the run. They're going to try to stop the freaking run. And that eliminates Saquon Barkley, or at least potentially does. You need a wide receiver to step up. And I love Sterling Shepard, but what Kadarius Toney can do when he is right, Sterling Shepard does not have those capabilities anymore. He probably never did. And I do love Shep, but Kadarius Toney is that special when he is dialed in. Yeah, and I, I, I'm i happy for Shep that he's made this comeback so fast and everything. But I'll be honest with you, Nick, and I'm curious to get your take on this. Just from watching the film through two weeks, I do feel like some, a little bit of something is lost with the athleticism and the burst right now with Shep. What is your take on that? I don't think that's unfair. I yeah. mean, he's a tw- he's 29 years old coming off of an Achilles injury. I still think he's an effective and a yeah. good athlete, but maybe not. As- he's an excellent. Runner. He's always he's been an excellent. He's still going to always have that. Yes. He's always going to be a good route runner, and I respect his game. I have a lot of respect for Sterling Shepard. But this receiver group, as I think we both agree, needs juice somehow. And like you said, jo- Tony is the juice. I mean, Robinson can hopefully eventually be the juice for them too, but Tony is the juice they have available to them right now. Jones is parched, man. Needs the juice. He needs the juice, bro. <laughs> yes, exactly, bro. And look, when you bring up the Tony, uh, R- Richie James of the world, like, I agree, and I that yes, ideal world we don't have Richie James on there, but for that specific role, that like in breaker layup receiver role, I don't think you see much of a difference if you have Richie James, Wondell Robinson. To me, it doesn't really do much, but it's those outside receivers. Like when you have David Sills on the field, and this is no offense to him, I think he played above the rim for who he is as an athlete. But when you just have those guys on the outside, it impacts everything. It impacts how defense is going to play you. It impacts the separation. It impacts the ability to get the ball over the top. So. You know, they, they definitely need to get Tony involved here. And just the respect that you command yep. from the defense, right? Because let's be honest, a lot of defensive coordinators and defenses, they don't respect Daniel Jones like you see other quarterbacks receive respect, right? Mm-hmm. And so what does that do? They just stop the run because everybody respects the heck out of Saquon Barkley. Well, you need to make them pay for doing that. You need to keep them honest, which I feel like Kafka has done a good job. But what's a better way to make a defense pay for loading the box than hitting them for a 20-yard gain, a 30-yard gain? It's difficult for the Giants to generate that, not just because of Daniel Jones, but because they don't have wide receivers. And we're saying that after allocating $72 million to Kenny Galladay, spending a first-round pick on Kadarius Toney, a second-round pick on Wondell Robinson. And there are some injuries that affect this, of course. But at the same time, the Giants have poured assets into this position and still we're not seeing a an overall unit that can really help daniel jones be maximized yeah that's the that's on the honest uh, assessment of it i don't know there's not much else to say in it we don't need to double back on why they're in this situation i will say this like again i understand the idea behind the wandell robinson pick but 
I just don't know if George Pickens on the field right now feels like he would really, really help Daniel Jones and the X role instead of instead of David Sills. From a from a pure X's and O's standpoint, you're right. But I don't know, and I don't know George Pickens, you know, yeah, from Adam. All field stuff, of course. We know Dable and Shane want specific individuals in yep. this building. And Wandell Robinson checks all those boxes, man. I don't I just I'm not certain if George Pickens does just from things that you hear. But again, who knows what's true and what's I not. will take it a step back though, because the, the Pickens versus Wandell one to me is not as bad as the Tony over Bateman and Eli Moore. Me and you were steadfast on both Bateman and Eli Moore as clear cut better prospects. And then Tony proved to us that he has natural athleticism and explosive traits to be mentioned with those guys last year so we got excited about him but what do you need in addition to explosive traits and natural ability you need to have your head on your shoulders you need to be picking up a playbook by now and you need to be able to be on the field for a full complement of snaps those guys are on the field Eli Moore and Rashad Bateman for a full complement of snaps and I think as you as you watch Rashad Bateman these first two weeks he's basically exactly what Daniel Jones needs on the field right now from a vertical speed element standpoint and he doesn't only just win with his speed I think he reached like 21.9 miles per hour last week it might have been the fastest time by a non Tyreek Hill receiver or something like that this season or something crazy I read this week but he also wins with great route running on the verticals I loved to watch him in Minnesota run those verts he was such a nuanced vertical route runner and so like it is what it is there they took Tony for some reason they tried to outsmart themselves maybe it'll be good down the line but I don't see I, I just wish I had Rashad Bateman on the roster right now and I, that was that like the Eli Moore one was like all right he's small whatever even though I think he should have been picked I, I actually probably would have taken him I think you would have two over Bateman potentially we were just so high on him but right now for what this team needs I wish they had a Rashad Bateman on the field I really do as do I but you know yeah, the can't cry over spilled milk. Yeah, it doesn't can't matter. Cry over it's so unimportant milk. now. This means, and I think, like when we do this, so we won't, we won't double back. But let's get into our predictions and, and let's wrap it up there. Nick, is there anything else that we want to go over from just the okay. what we're looking at in terms of this matchup? Because this is a very winnable game for the Giants. But look, just like last week, Carolina could easily have won that game. Tennessee yeah. could have easily won that game if they just made a freaking field goal, right? And then our perception of what's going on yeah, is totally so different. different. Yeah. And I'm not sitting here saying the Giants are the worst 2-0 team ever, or I'm not making any kind of proclamations like that, but I think we have to be based in reality here a little bit. This New York Giants football team is not a team that's going to go undefeated. This They're New York 31st Giants football, in passing yards right now. Yes. Yes, the 31st in passing yards, and they could easily, easily be 0-2. That's just the reality, okay? That's not me being negative. That's just the reality right now. So this game right here, even though it's against a backup quarterback, there are still definitely avenues where the Dallas Cowboys can win this football game, particularly on the defensive side of the football there with Dan Quinn. I, I, Micah Parsons, man, if they align him on Evan Neal, I'm a little worried about that. I, I, I'm a little worried about that. And honestly, I think Andrew Thomas can probably do a solid job stopping him, but Micah Parsons is going to win some of those matchups yes. as well. And that's not no knock on Andrew Thomas. That's no. just because Micah Parsons is that much of a freaking stud. It's not even that. It is that, but it's also that like there's a clear advantage on every snap for the pass rusher versus the offensive lineman. It's just like there's a clear advantage on every snap for a receiver versus a cornerback. That's why it's so hard to find good corners. So he's going to lose some reps. I think we all have to be aware of that and, and understanding of that. And it doesn't mean Andrew Thomas having a bad game. To that point you just made, what are the pass rushers and the wide receivers doing that give them the advantage? They're dictating, right? So it just kind of brings it all around yeah. to Wink Martindale. He wants to right. dictate. And uh, that's the way the Giants can win this football game. Yes. is if Wink Martindale dictates. I think they just have to find, figure out a way without Leonard Williams to stop the run, to force those third and long situations, to allow him to do what he just did to Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I think for me, I'm going to get into the prediction now and my keys to the game. My keys to the game are this. What Nick just said so eloquently, 
Wink Martindale, dictate the game. And Wink Martindale and your defense, find a way to turn the ball over. Find a way to get Cooper Rush to turn the ball over. Maybe a fumble from one of the running backs or receivers. On the flip side of the ball, I think what's going to have to happen is they're going to have to do exactly what they did last week against Phil Snow's Panthers defense. Take the ball out of Daniel Jones's hand. Don't give him opportunities to turn the ball over. That's how the Giants lose this game. If Daniel Jones is, is asked to do too much and he turns the ball over. Now, at the same time, a good way to win, in addition to that, is when you have opportunities created via Mike Kafka's ability and Brian Dable to have route combinations that get open receivers, the Tony play from last week, the Sills play from week one, the Shepard play in the red zone from last week, the Bellinger play in the red zone, hit a couple, Jones, hit one, hit two. It's, I don't need you to hit 100% right now. You're not at that point right now. I get it. But you got to hit a couple, right? To win a game, you got to hit a couple. It's not, it's not the only way, though. The Giants did hit any last week, and they still won a game. So it's not impossible to win a game without hitting any big plays in the passing game. And I shouldn't say they didn't hit any big plays in the passing game. Daniel Jones had really good conversions on the third and nine and the third and ten. Big-time throws from Jones that should never be taken away from him. They were big moments and big throws. But as far as the broken coverages and the really good route designs that got players open in the red zone and in the middle of the field with the Tony over, those are the ones he missed from a, from a processing standpoint. Process one of those for me, hit one of those for me, maybe two, and I think that could be the difference this one. I would just say you got to watch out for Trevon Diggs. I can I see Jones hitting his oh, back foot, no. thinking he could squeeze a football in, and then Diggs oh, just taking it to the house. And if that happens, if we're, we're not Dallas, winning this game, if Dallas pick six is one, I'll tell you that. If they pick, exactly, yeah, you have to you have to play efficient football on offense, and you can't. You can't be right. It's so funny, Nick, because this is all the things we kind of knocked Joe Judge for in the days. And I especially was like, I hate this brand of football. But right now, it's all they have. It's all they have to work with right now. But what was the one defense that we had of Joe Judge? The thing that we said, we don't like what's going on, but there might be a reason why it's going on. And it was Daniel Jones, right? It was yep. he, him and Jason Garrett have Daniel Jones, which could possibly be holding the offense back from doing what they want to do just because they don't trust him. Now, maybe they were wrong, you know, 100%. They could have been wrong, but that was, I think, one reason why they were also very conservative. I think by nature, they're conservative no matter what. But I think if they had Josh Allen, they wouldn't have been playing yeah, that same style of football. I, you, It's not a thing. You are 100 yeah, there's no debate. Anyone who would argue that is wrong. So if they had different quarterback, things would have looked a lot different. They would have tried things for things. And I think right now, if Dable had Josh Allen, if you think this would this team would be 31st in passing, I don't care who the receivers are. He would make them work. What did he have last week? Digs and nothing. There was nothing else out there. Gabe Davis was hurt. McKenzie had a bad game. Cole Beasley's off that roster. They were cycling in random guys there for the Jake receiver. Kumaro, baby. Jake Kumaro, exactly. Jake freaking Kumaro. Josh Allen make Jake freaking Kumaro that big play. So it's the quarterback. We know this. We're waiting. We'll get one hopefully at some point. Or maybe Daniel Jones will be that guy. Um, but anyway, let's get into predictions for this game. I think, I oh God, I hate that I'm feeling this way, Nick. It's so easy to just convince me not convince me it's so easy for me to flip back positive i hate this i get overly po positive overly optimistic my dad always bashes me for this but he is also coming at it from a very negative pessimistic point of view so i feel like there needs to be more of a balance but i hate to say it dude i think they're gonna win this football game again the giants i really freaking do i think the biggest factor here is that they're home if this was in dallas i think dallas wins this game but right now with the state of mind that the giants fans are in right now a primetime monday night game that matters which they haven't had in so freaking long when you got a coach like Dable who everyone in the fan base is behind and the coordinators who everyone in the fan base is behind it's a recipe for getting a lot of fan interaction against a backup quarterback with a rookie left tackle 
that could lead to some false starts. That could lead to some delay of games. That could lead to a lot of the things that you need to win a grind out football game like this projects to be. So I do think the Giants win this game, man. I think it's 20 to 19 with a game winning field goal at the end by Graham Gano. I agree. I think they can win this football game and I'm going to pick it that way. And I don't feel great just because I, I really do believe like we've said for the last 20 minutes that the Giants can't make mistakes on offense. And I, I think they, they're prone, not prone, but they have, they have the ability to make mistakes when you're going up against Trevon Diggs, when you're going up against Micah Parsons. And when you have Daniel Jones as your quarterback in prime time, where he's traditionally not played all that well, right? I'll say against Washington and Kansas city, well, Kansas city threw a pick six, almost a pick six, basically to start the game. So that was <laughs> terrible. But Washington, I feel like he played well. He deserved to win that football game, had a lot of things go against him, but I think the giants, because of everything you said, and specifically the home factor, I really do think the fans can make a huge difference. So if you're going to the game, Dan, you're one of these people, be <laughs> freaking loud, okay? Be loud. Get into Cooper Rush's head. So I'm going to say 19 to 17. Okay. Another just very just gross, ugly, field goal type of game that the Giants will pull through. And that's how it has to be done. And I like that point you made about uh, Jones in primetime because he did have a really good game in primetime against the Washington football team last year, whatever, the commanders. I don't care. I'm never going to do it. Don't want it. But that wasn't his fault that game. We know whose fault that game was. That was Joe Judge and Jason Garrett's fault. There is one person I blame for that more than anything else, and it's him. When you intercept that pass with James Bradbury and you decide to do what you did, Run, 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 I think it was. The no, field run, 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 short, stupid pass. It was that short, stupid pass. Okay, I thought we went back. I couldn't remember. Short pass that had never had a chance to get past the sticks. When you do that to a team, you are putting a loss in their mind, and that's what happens. They lose that game. So, Jones, you know, the Slayton pass, it's a big debated pass in that game. I personally think that it's a li- it's coming in a little hot and a little too, and he's, he's very outstretched for that throw. I think if you, I think that's on Jones too. I know a lot of people are like, this is so on Slayton. It's only Slayton. I'm like, eh, well, if you put any air under that thing, it's a pretty easy touchdown, but it is what it is. He's still, it's still a pretty decent throw in that spot. And everything else he did in that game was great. The side, the, the other, the touchdown he threw to Slayton in that game was one of the best balls I've seen Jones throw in a long time in that game. So he had a great game in that. I think it was a great point by you. It proved that he can play in prime time. It's not just always been bad. Um, and so hopefully he can repeat that this game. So that's all we have for today's show. Dallas Cowboys Giants preview. Keep it locked and loaded. It's a long weekend before the game on Monday. So we're going to be dropping another mailbag during that time, which are always fun and a good thing to have for a long weekend. And maybe a little other content that we're working on that we'll get back to you with as well. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week. and We'll talk to you soon. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.